When told, sir, we're surrounded, the Marine Corps' Lewis B. Puller, chesty to Marines, responded, excellent. Now we know where the enemy is. And here we are, Americans with a stolen election, and all the players now clearly marked. Excellent. We know where the enemy is. And your leader in this fight to the death is Dan Newman. Yep, absolutely. We know where the enemy is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to TNN Live. I want to first apologize. We missed our bullet points offering this past weekend, and as most of you know, it was because we're moving our studio locations, and uh, this show's going to sound a little different this morning because we are in our new studios in far, far, far south Shreveport, Louisiana, on the west side of the Red River, And um, we've got acoustical panels in in the old setting. That's why it sounded the way it did. So now today, today only, it's going to sound a little bit like I'm in a barrel. I'm not. I'm in the studio, but the acoustic panels are not finished. We'll get that done tomorrow. You won't even be able to tell we uh, did anything different. That being said, I am so glad you are here today. Listen, folks, we never take you for granted. And if we ever, ever seem like or sound like or talk like we take you for granted, we don't. That's why I asked you um, last week, because we were contemplating still are making some changes in the format of the show, TNN Live, and wanted your opinions. Got a lot of responses, and we'll be sharing some of those during the week this week. And uh, you'll be hearing... uh, a little things different, not dramatic at all. Structurally, we're still going to bring you information that in many cases you don't get from mainstream media. And they, it, this is the shocking thing, and it really it doesn't shock us much anymore. They could be bringing you the same information that we do every day. They just choose otherwise. They choose to do it another way. And uh, you know what? That's okay. We know who they are, as it said in... Pete Moss is opening here. We found the enemy. And I'm not saying people in the media are necessarily our enemies. I'm saying the overall philosophy that is driving the information they put out is an enemy. Anything that is non-truthful, and especially that that's non-truthful, purposefully being perpetrated on all of us, that is evil. And only our enemies would do that. If you haven't yet read the story that went live this morning at Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. Um, you need to do it, folks. It's it's very eye-opening. I mean, it is something that uh, it'll scare you in many ways, but what it will do, it'll peel back some of the uncertainties that we have simply because we don't know things. And as we started a couple of weeks ago, we told you we're going to begin to report and bring to you with evidence to prove everything that we publish here on this regard, some of the things that we've been told that are absolutely not true about everything to do with COVID-19, but not just that. We're going to bring you facts that you haven't seen or heard on the most part. Many of you do. It's because you do your own digging. But we're bringing you in the parts of this COVID-19 revelation some things that you may not have heard of, 
Sometimes they will be opinions, but the people that are presenting them to you are honest enough to tell you. Facts are leaning this way. We feel like these are true and will, when we confirm the truth of these things we're bringing you, will tell you. But in the meantime, you know, there's a question mark out there. And for those of you that are making uh, life dramatic changes, you need to know these are out there. And so uh, you need to be able just to get away with it. Excuse me. So what happened over the weekend? A whole bunch happened over the weekend. Um, Some of the information, some of which is included in that story I told you about, I wanted to touch base on to begin the show today about COVID-19. Now, we, we, we track what's going on elsewhere in the world simply because we want you to get a perspective of other folks and what their media are telling them because that has a lot of comparison to our media and the information we get here. This came out over the weekend. The EU, the European Union database of um, suspected drug reaction reports, it's called UDRA Vigilance, Vigilance, I'm sorry, UDRA Vigilance, which is pretty much like our VAR system of the CDC. It also tracks reports of injuries and deaths following vaccines. A Health Impact News subscriber from Europe reminded us this database maintained at UDRA Vigilance is only for countries in Europe that are part of the EU. Now, that's 27 countries. That's a bunch of countries, but it's not all of them. The total number of countries in Europe is much higher than that 27, almost twice as much as a matter of fact, about 50 So as high as these numbers are, they don't reflect all of Europe. The actual number in Europe who are reported dead or injured due to COVID shots would be much higher than is in this report today. So UDRA Vigilance database says that through the 3rd of July, there are 17,503 deaths and 1,687,527 injuries reported following injections of experimental COVID-19 vaccinations. By the way, every one of them, folks, are still worldwide experimental drugs. Now, have you wondered why they're still experimental drugs and classified that way? There's obvious a reason. You know what the reason is? To protect those that are giving us information and protect those from who are putting these drugs out in the open marketplace from liability if and when it's proven that there are any life-changing, life-altering, and life-death-instigating things that come from these vaccines. Oh, Your Honor, we told them up front, these are experimental drugs. They didn't have to take them. Nobody made them take them. They knew what they were getting when they took the shot. So how does this all break down? Well, that story will give you, I mean a breakdown, all of the details. And the title of the story is 17,503 dead, 1.7 million injured, 50% of those seriously in the EU's database of adverse drug reactions. And it's part of that release today, that COVID-19 story part two that we put up. But let me just give you a few 
of the examples that are included. Total reactions for the experimental mRNA vaccination um, from Pfizer, by the way, 8,426 deaths, 632,000 injuries. Now, that's just up through mid-March. Now, for the Moderna, the numbers are 4,605 deaths, 157,802 injuries. That one's through March the 7th. March, folks, March. So we've got April, May, June, and now July. We've got almost three more months of data that they haven't published yet, and already we are reaching these numbers. And then the AstraZeneca vaccine, which isn't approved here in the United States yet. The numbers there are 3,871 deaths in Europe, almost a million injuries. Half of those are serious. The J&J, the Janssen, 601 deaths and 44,486 injuries. Folks, all of these, all of these are just through March the 7th. Now, we do have an update. This is a partial update as of July 7th. So this is pretty current. AstraZeneca, fatalities, 3,871. Uh, let's see. Serious injuries of the 317,000. 466,000. Pfizer, 8,426 deaths. 268,530 serious injuries. Moderna, 4,605 deaths, serious injuries, 90,000. And then the J&J, 601 deaths, 13,847 serious injuries. Now, what are the totals of just those four vaccinations? We only have three of those here. We don't use AstraZeneca, which is obviously, from the numbers I just gave you, the most deadly of them all. All total through July 7th, from January 1st this year, fatalities, 17,503. Serious injuries, 837,588. In only 27 of the 50 European Union nations. There are 50 in Europe, 27 of those are included in these numbers. So it's at least, folks, twice that, just in Europe. And if it's just twice that in deaths, just from the adverse reactions that are reported, 35,000 people have died over there. Now, in historical perspective, what that means is already in just Five months. In just five months, more people have had adverse reactions to vaccinations. All vaccination inoculations that have been given worldwide since 1990. This already is double the total of all of them combined, all the way back to 1990. We got a problem. I don't care who you are, folks. No matter how you couch it, we got a problem. And then there's our brain surgeon. Well, he's really not a brain surgeon. He's a epidemiologist, an infectious disease expert. Let me tell you how many thousands of patients he has dealt with personally, hands-on for COVID-19. 
None. Not a single person has been treated by Dr. Anthony Fauci. But he knows what's best for everybody. And it's funny, folks. He's getting mad because people just don't listen to him hook, line, and sinker. Fauci said there should be more vaccine mandates at the local level. Here's what he said to Jake Tapper over the weekend. I've been of this opinion, and I remain there, he said, that I do believe at the local level, Jake, there should be more mask mandates and other types of mandates. There really should be. He said, we're talking about a life and death situation. We've lost 600,000 Americans already, and we're still losing more people. Fauci said that the FDA fully approves these COVID-19 shots. It's going to trigger a whole lot more mandates at the local level. I think the hesitancy at the local level of doing mandates, he said, is because the vaccines haven't been officially fully approved. But people need to understand that the amount of data right now that shows a high degree of effectiveness and a high degree of safety is more than we've seen ever with the emergency use authorization. According to the latest data from the CDC, about 48% of Americans have already got fully vaccinated. 55% have received at least one dose. But at the same time, federal health officials have started issuing warnings about the Delta variant that they've said is more contagious, although it's not clear whether it's more deadly. Now, this variant, and we've heard about it from the... He predicted it before it was even anywhere on Earth. You remember that? He said, we got to watch out for the possible variants that are going to come out of this, and we don't know if these current vaccines are going to be able to treat that variant. And he's the one that put the tag on it, the Delta variant. Now it is told that the Delta variant is more contagious, although we don't know if it's more deadly. It's already sparked like lockdowns in Australia, in Malaysia, in Israel, Vietnam, and other countries. Thailand, I have a close friend in the FBI. He and his family have been stationed at the Bangkok FBI office for several years. Uh, they came in to the United States to spend a few weeks and head back. They were forced to take the vaccination before they left Thailand to come back here. Forced by the Thai government if they want to get back in when this uh, 30-day thing here in the United States is over and they go back to work. It's getting tough, folks. And so this stuff that's going on around, it spurred calls from the Republican lawmakers in Congress, including Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, to call for his ouster and argue that he repeatedly misled the public. I know the American people don't have trust in Dr. Fauci, McCarthy said. I was in an interview just a few weeks ago. Let's find a person we can trust. Take politics aside. We're talking about American lives here. I think you'll uh, remember that uh, here we started calling for his head months ago. Not because we think he doesn't know what he's doing, but it's because we know now that he's not telling Americans the truth. And millions of Americans, and most importantly, people in our government, are making decisions for you and me 
based solely on the stuff that Dr. Fauci's telling them is true. And it's not so, folks. It's not so. Now, let's zero in on the Delta variant. What's happening with just it? So, does the original vaccine, any of these four, do they work? Well, there have been 92,000 cases of the Delta variant reported through June 2021. 92,000 cases. Now, this is overseas. This is in the UK. Of that number, 92,000, 117 people have died. 50 of those deaths were in wholly vaccinated people. Hmm. Half the deaths, 117. 50 of them were fully vaccinated. So the so-called Delta variants increasing in the UK among the vaccinated, among the vaccinated, they were meant to be immune to the virus. The Delta virus is sweeping the UK, 146,000 instances reported just the last couple of weeks, up 72% from the previous week. Delta, new infections accounted for 97% of cases by the middle of last month. Delta shows up in 85% of adults who have had at least one shot, one dose, 63% who got two. And even with inoculated patients who test positive for COVID, health authorities maintain that the shots are working. Folks, with these massive numbers of adverse effects. We had Peter from California on the show last Friday who gave us a firsthand explanation of what happened in his world while he was in Rite Aid checking out a woman that had just been given in Rite Aid her COVID-19 vaccination. At the checkout, she began to convulse, fell to the floor. The EMS had to call. When they got there, they tried to resuscitate her. They put her in the ambulance. They don't know what happened to her, but she was not conscious and was still shaking as the ambulance rode away. Yeah, it is life and death. And we're being forced to make decisions, life and death decisions for ourselves and our family members based on information that we're finding out every day. More of it is not as is being represented to us. Whoa. Hang on there. Hang on there. Sorry about that. Again, we're in the studio. Things are a little different. I'm a little uh, rusty trying to figure all this stuff out. Anyway, that being said, we're just getting cranking. We're not going to spend the rest of the show talking about COVID stuff. That story is up this morning, and I want to make sure that you listen to it, that you read it, and digest the information. When we come back, we're going to hear from the president and also Jen Psaki, his official White House spokesperson. Just ahead. The show is better when you're a part of it. So be a part of it. Join Dan at 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live. The Truth News Network. Or online all the time at truthnewsnet.org. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey Ed Itchy in Idaho, yes, the Culligan high efficiency water softener will make that thing so soft it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. 
itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. Visit Open Road. If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water, vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. We don't tell you what to think, but we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. Hey, y'all. <laughs> you know, this, um, this thing about the latest Hunter Biden deal fiasco, he has now, of course, become a famous artist. He's a painter. And I haven't seen any of his works personally. I have talked to those who have. And uh, they tell me (laughs) he's not a very good painter. I know that may come as a shock to you because his dad told us all. Everybody in the world knows Hunter Biden's the smartest person on earth. That's according to the president talking about his son. Now, being smart is one thing. And Just based on the little bit I know about Hunter, I don't know that he's really smart. I can tell you this. He knows how to access opportunities that are on his plate as they become uh, revealed to him. Like, uh, yeah, his dad was vice president for eight years, and his dad was opening a lot of doors for Hunter to make a bunch of deals, which he did. But anyway, this Hunter Biden, his art, being represented by a major art museum in New York for sale, of course. And uh, this this is crazy, but the stuff is going to sell for as much as half a million dollar a painting. Now, this is not from a well-known or even ever exhibited any artwork whatsoever artist, Hunter Biden. He's an attorney, folks. Yeah, he's the son of the president. So let me ask you this. Why hasn't the White House come out and stopped this mess? There's there's really nasty stuff in the wind there. And it's so nasty, even though Jen Psaki herself, I'm not going to play you what she said, but she from the platform or from the podium in the White House briefing room, she came out last week and just defended Hunter has a right to do whatever he wants to do. He's not in government. And the White House takes no position on what Hunter Biden's do. Well, when you look back at what happened a couple of years ago, Hunter's dad, on stage, he bragged about blackmailing the president of Ukraine a billion-dollar shakedown 
of the Ukrainian government to fire a prosecutor that was investigating his son, this world-famous artist now, Hunter Biden. And then Vice President Biden used a billion-dollar United States government loan guarantee dangling in the air to get the former Ukrainian president to fire that prosecutor investigating Hunter and the Ukrainian country, energy country uh, company, by the way, on which Hunter's board resided. Hunter resided on the board of that. Co- I'll get that out. That's you know, the board of directors of Burisma Holdings, which is a Ukrainian uh, energy company, which has been known for years as being a phenomenal company for laundering money throughout Europe, been investigated multiple times, is now being investigated one more time by the new president in Ukraine. Anyway, Biden got him to fire that prosecutor. And then on stage, when Biden himself, Joe Biden, the president, then he was a candidate, he was bragging about it. And SOB, he said, I gave him eight hours to do it. And SOB, they did it. So it seems to me there's a little bit of a conflict about the details of this art exposition that's about to get underway in New York and about all the money that's going to be paid and maybe, just maybe, a little bitty conflict of interest. Now, I'm a conspiracy theorist. There are a lot of people out there that think I am. But what about CNN? Oh, my gosh, they're in the tank for everything to do with Biden and every other Democrat. They will never diminish any action that any Democrat takes, right? Well, maybe about this particular part of Hunter Biden's life, maybe they're seeing a little bit of the light. Walter Schaub is the former head of the Office of Government Ethics under President Obama. Uh, Walter, thanks for being with us. So some of those safeguards uh, put in place are neither Hunter Biden nor the public will know who bid on or purchased the work. And if there's unusual behavior like the offer being too high, the collector doesn't appear to be interested, the gallery is expected to turn down the offer. You don't think that's enough. Why? No, I mean, they have outsourced government ethics to an art dealer. She mentioned industry standards. It's an industry that's notorious for money laundering. There's no standards in that industry. And the idea that they're going to flag any overly priced offers, well, this is art that hasn't even been juried into a community art sale. How is How are they going to decide what's unreasonable when they've already priced it in the range of 75000 to 500000 for a first outing. This is just preposterous and very disappointing. All right, uh, Walter Schaub, always good to have you. Uh, we'll see you at the Hunter Biden auction in September. I'm kidding. No, we're not kidding. <laughs> I, I mean, you are an art collector, people should know. I have a very modest collection. But you have a great eye for yeah, it. Thank you. But the idea that a, a, an artist enters the market at $75,000 doesn't happen. To a half million dollars. It just doesn't happen unless you're going for the name. And what does that name mean in this context? That kind of stuff never happens in the art industry unless you're going for something. And in this case, it's all about the name. Hunter. Everybody wants to be part of Hunter's great art extreme 
um, life and what his expertise is, right? Even CNN gets, folks, it's all about the money, and it's a great way to stash cash. (laughs) Quid pro quo Joe trickles down into the family. But I'm sure, and I'm just guessing here, but I would say that the big guy, as Hunter called his dad, when all of those uh, business ideal emails on Hunter's laptop were revealed, the big guy. He's always in on everything. In fact, one of the emails in there that Hunter sent to his other family members, the Biden family syndicate, he told them the big guy, the big guy always gets his piece and I'll take care of that. We're pretty sure the big guy is now the big guy in the U.S. Just saying. Don't know that for a fact, but just saying. All points, all fingers point to Joe. So an interesting thing popped up yesterday, Israel, yesterday, they decided to withhold $600 million worth of taxes that it collects on behalf of the Palestinian Authority. Now, you do understand that the West Bank, which is Israel's technically, and they let the Palestinian people call it their place, they're part of the formal Israeli country and they pay taxes. So Israel collects taxes and then they party out the part that go to the Palestinian government that they've already collected. They forward those taxes to them. Of course, everybody that hates Israel, they won't, they won't even mention this. This is probably the first time you've heard it, that Israel gives them a lot of, a lot of money and technically they don't remember the Israeli government bought that land from the Palestinians a long time ago, folks. And then Israel's letting them occupy it. Anyway, that's another story. But yesterday they decided to hold back $184 million or NIS $600 million. And the reason the Israeli government's doing it is because of the Palestinian Authority's so-called pay-for-slay policy that pays the terrorists and their families. So they transferred $182 million U.S. in indirect support for terror in 2020. That's what the Israeli government, their security cabinet defense minister, Benny Gantz, said. Pursuant to the approval of the report, these funds will be frozen on a monthly basis out of the payments that Israel transfers to the Palestinian Authority. President Mahmoud Abbas of Palestine last month ordered that the family of one Palestinian terrorist who murdered two Israelis be paid 42000 and be given new houses. Well, where is that money coming from? It's coming from the Israeli government that they've been paying it to the Palestinian Authority who was having their people, their terrorists, slaughter Israeli people. <laughs> They're rewarding them for committing murder. And they're rewarding them with money that came from the people that the ones that they murdered worked for. And people think Israel's evil for doing that. Well, that that was the very first high-profile payments to terrorist families since the Biden administration took office. I wonder why it didn't happen while Donald Trump was in office. And this runs counter to the claims made by senior Palestinian officials. The policy would be revisited, that pay-for-slay, as part of an effort to rebuild severed ties with Washington. 
Well, we didn't wait for them. We sent the Palestinian Authority a couple of hundred million dollars in the Biden first weeks in office as the president. And they're slaughtering. They're actually putting money on the heads of Israeli people. That sounds like a United States thing to me. I mean, we pay people to kill other people. That's in essence what we're doing, folks. That's that's just insane that our United States government would be doing that, doing it knowingly. Well, you want to hear something else that our government's doing that'll blow your mind? The FBI yesterday, they tweeted this. Listen to what they tweeted out. This is a direct quote, their tweet. Family members and peers are often best positioned to witness signs of mobilization to violence. Help prevent homegrown violent extremists. Visit go.usa.gov and learn how to spot suspicious behaviors and report them to the hashtag FBI, hashtag National Security Agency. Now, what, what is this all about? It all it, It's pointing back the justification for even thinking about, yet alone putting this out there as an official policy by the FBI, the January 6th riot on Capitol Hill. They're saying, hey, before anything bad happens, if you see something, somebody, people you know, and you're suspicious, you suspect suspicious behaviors on their part by the way they're acting, things they're saying, report them to the FBI. Now, included in that link, in that um, tweet, was a link to a government booklet that was written in 2015 on indicators that someone may be contemplating violent action. On page 22 of the booklet, it says this, certainly behaviors exist and are noted in this booklet that would be troubling regardless of the ideological motivation, may warrant contacting law enforcement. However, this booklet is focused on individuals or groups that are inspired or enabled by foreign terrorist organizations, including but not limited to ISIS, Al-Qaeda, and their affiliates and allies. So in other words, folks, what they're asking us to do, now keep in mind the FBI is already arrested regarding the January 6th riot invasion of the Capitol, They've already arrested 500 people. Several of them have already been prosecuted, did uh, plea deals. The FBI's already done that, but yet the instigation for this is January 6th. They want you and I to spy on everybody. And if we suspect anything, now let me ask you this. This was, this was yesterday. How many overnight toll-free telephone calls do you think came into the FBI operators doing this very thing? How many of those did? I don't have a number. I'm just asking you to think through this. What if you got in a tiff with your next-door neighbor? It may have been over, oh, I don't know, their dog coming over and pooping in your yard or them parking their car over on your grass or whatever. Maybe their kid looked at them funny. People get mad at other people about very little often. And they saw this tweet and they said, aha, payback. 
I'm going to call in and tell the FBI that I've been really suspicious about these folks. They seem like they're up to something, you know, like they've got guns and they keep talking about glorifying white supremacists. So I'm just really concerned about them. I guarantee you it's already happened. I guarantee you. I don't want to go down too far and think ahead and come up with some conspiracy about that. History's full of those very things. Do you know that that very thing happens all over the world? Has forever. But that's not been a United States thing. Until now, Biden's FBI director opened the floodgate. Who would his FBI director be? The same one under Donald Trump, Christopher Wray who we have been suspicious of from the very beginning. We've talked about it on this show. What's ahead in that thing? I mean, what good could possibly come of it? If they're really worried about the insurrections at the uh, U.S. Capitol, folks, they have face recognition software. They have identified thousands of people that were there, and they've arrested 500 of them at least probably more since the initial announcement came out that 500 were arrested. But they want you and I to go state's evidence on our friends and family members that we are either rightfully suspicious of or that we don't like and we want to get them. (laughs) Be careful. Be careful. Be careful what you say or what you do around your neighbors. And this stuff just gets worse and worse. Listen to what happened in the United Nations over the weekend. They have a human rights chief in the UN. A human rights chief. Now, the United Nations is supposed to represent the world, right? So you can bet the human rights chief isn't (laughs) a native of the United States. Oh, no way. It's former Chilean socialist president a woman named Michelle Bachelet. So she presented to the UN Human Rights Council a report that she says she hopes is going to change the definition of racism. And the report highlights its impacts. It comes after her getting in the middle of last month calling on the world to immediately dismantle systemic racism against people of African descent and, in her words, make amends to the oppressed, while groups like Black Lives Matter, and that's the only group she named, Black Lives Matter should receive funding, public recognition, and support. You can't make this up. Others have also joined her for demands for massive financial redistributions to address the racist issues of the past. Bachelet told the council in Geneva Research, could not find a single example of a state that has comprehensively reckoned with its past or accounted for its impacts on the lives of people of African descent today. She recommended countries create, each individually, create, reinforce, fund, fully fund, comprehensive processes with full participation of affected communities to share the truth about what was done and the harms it continues to inflict. Establishing the truth about these legacies and their impacts today and taking steps to address this harm using a wide range of 
reparations measures is crucial to healing our societies and providing justice for terrible crimes. Measures taken to address the past will transform our future. Now this council, the Human Rights Council, commissioned the report during a special session last year. Of course, it was all instigated following the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Memorial Day weekend, May of 2020. Now folks, let me just tell you what this is all about. First of all, nobody's going to be able to stamp out racism. It's impossible. It's always existed since there have been people more than one on earth or one family on earth or one nation on earth or one tribe within one nation on earth. There's always been racism. It's a human thing. It's a human trait. It's an ideology that either is adopted or rejected. Most people don't even think about it. They just fall in line with the um, social issues and the way people think among the community that they live in, that they grow up in. So this woman has joined millions of others, tens of millions of others, that want to force people to pay for something that happened before they were even alive and to pay for it. In other words, come up with some number, some system, take it out of the air. And because these people deem that there's, first of all, a need to do that, a responsibility to do that, and secondly, to come up with a method of making um, making everything okay, it's going to be money, of course, in the form of, obviously, it would have to be tax dollars or some representative of tax dollars like real estate, all other kinds of things all in, that we, we weren't alive when any of this happened, never had a slave, nobody in my family ever had a slave. In fact, when my family came over from Europe, they were indentured servants. Wait a minute, that, mean, that, that means they were actually slaves. No, they were white. I'm white. Well, you're not African-American, so you don't qualify. Well, what are we qualifying for? Our skin color or for slavery or uh, totalitarian ownership of other people? But they want me to pay for people that had slaves. And they want me to pay for slavery. What about, no, just think of somebody. How about Vice President Kamala Harris? Her great-great-great-grandfather in public record was the number one slave owner in Jamaica. Did you know that? Documented fact. We gave that story with the fact, the sources, it's on record. Every year, slave owners in Jamaica had to report not only how many slaves they owned, but their names for years. He was the number one slave owner in Jamaica. Now, we are told Kamala Harris is African-American. They don't even say that anymore. She's a woman of color. Why? Because she's not African-American. Her father's Jamaican. Her mother is Indian from the nation of India. So she is dark-skinned, but is color what you use to base anything about anybody on, their skin color? Didn't we fight to stop that practice? Isn't doing that racist 
Are we trying to cure racism by being racist? Do you think I'm being silly when I say this, folks? That's what's happening before our very eyes. They're claiming it's okay to be racist to cure racism. And not only is it okay, they're demanding that we do it. When we know historically throughout all time, there is no way a government can cure or stamp out racism. It's not going to happen. American, African Americans are waking up in droves and are seeing the insanity of all of this. Do you know that 70% of the African American community, they think that those people that keep saying, people on the left that keep screaming, it's racist to enforce picture ID for voting. They're, They're insulted that people would even say that. In fact, I saw multiple interviews on the street, one-on-one, news media people, accosting African-American people on the streets of New York and California and San Francisco and Seattle and even Dallas, asking them, is a requirement for a picture ID, is that racist? And almost without exception, everyone said, absolutely not. We already have to have it. And it's insulting to us to even say that it's racism to force it to happen or be a requirement for anything. And I I could go through the litany of things you can't do without having that ID. You know that. And now here we are, a white woman from Chile. Now she's Latino. You can't say that anymore. What do you you call it? I I don't know, folks. (laughs) I'm going to be politically incorrect, and maybe because of that I'm a racist. I don't know. But there's no way that you can draw a line and put racism and people that are racist on one side of the line and people that aren't racist on the other side of the line. You can't do it because racism is not something that's given. It's not something that is mandated. Nor can the elimination of racism be handed out or could be forced on anybody. It can't be done. Racism comes as a voluntary choice. If you want to be racist, you'll be racist if that's what you choose to be. If you don't want to be racist, you'll choose to put away all the things of racism. The 900-pound gorilla in this human rights chief of the United Nations is, she only mentioned one group in this. One group, Black Lives Matter. These are the people that destroyed millions of dollars of real estate, inflicted personal damage over and over and over again. Dozens and dozens and dozens were arrested in cities across the nation for their quote-unquote peaceful protesting that was really rioting. That's all it was, rioting. And uh, that just doesn't work, folks. It doesn't work. There's no truth there. And therefore, it's one more notch in the ladder towards totalitarianism. And even, it's not coming from out of our government, it's coming from the United Nations. The United Nations. They live, they reside, southern, southeast corner of Manhattan. That's where the United Nations headquarters is. In our nation. And they're telling us we're racist. And we've got to stamp it out. And how are we going to stamp it out? We're going to pay for it. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to pass out reparations. Of course, she doesn't, she doesn't talk about what that is. 
She does it. And before we get away from Kamala Harris, Kamala was, she's not out much, but um, they let her out. And uh, she weighed in on this, the voter ID thing. And she talked about the credibility and the integrity of the voter system. So here's your vice president, my vice president, back in California, speaking to some um, county officials that got together to discuss a whole lot of things. Here's the vice president. So it is only fitting that I would be here with you because as you know and have heard, I started my career in county government. <laughs> I started my career in, in a county office, in the Alameda County District Attorney's Office, the, the seat which is Oakland, California, the place of my birth. I, I, worked, in, I worked for the city and county of San Francisco. Um, I know county government. And I know from personal experience then, <laughs> voting is not about one party. It is about our entire democracy, a democracy which must be grounded in a representative government. And in fact, protecting the right to vote is about as American as apple pie. Massive applause. <laughs> the vice president, and she's trying to make it so simple that everybody understands all we want to do is protect your right to vote. And that means we can't demand that you prove you're who you say you are when you go to vote or when you go to turn in that mail-in ballot. And even African-American people say that's horse hockey. That's horse hockey. That's not who we are. We don't need that. All we need is to be treated like everybody else and everybody else, including us. We have to have picture ID to do pretty much anything. But they're using it. And uh, what you and I need to ask, the big question, and all the answers are there, and you know what they are. Ask this, what are they doing it for? Why, oh why, are they doing it? Congressman Mike Johnson will be on the show with us later this week, and we're going to talk in detail about one thing. Why isn't our government handling the illegal problems and treating them as being perpetrated by people? And when you break the law, you're a criminal in the United States. And we have laws against what the Biden administration is allowing to happen, and in fact encouraging it to happen, all across our southern border. He's a constitutional attorney, as Mike Johnson, and so um, he's going to weigh in on that a little bit later in the week. In the meantime, guess what happens down at our southern border? More folks are coming in, and a really nasty situation happened down there that I thought we'd tell you about. Tucson Sector Border Patrol agents over the weekend apprehended more than 100 migrants in the desert near Sasabi, Arizona. Human smugglers abandoned the group that had 90 accompanied minors in it. These agents were patrolling right along the border with Mexico, and they encountered this large group of migrants. Included in the group were 90 alien children. After crossing the border illegally, they were left in the scorching heat 
until agents arrived. Thankfully, these agents got there. Elsewhere in the same sector, the Tucson sector, agents arrested one Guatemalan man who crossed the border near Nogales. A background check revealed a warrant from an Illinois court for failure to appear because of a crime there. The agents turned the man over to the Santa Cruz Sheriff's Office for extradition to Illinois. Human smugglers, folks, they find lots of ways to abuse the migrants they're transporting into the U.S. That's what they do, folks. They're entrepreneurs. And when you're an entrepreneur, you, you understand and you know you create some process or some widget that other people want, and you get them to buy whatever it is you're selling. What are they selling? And we know it's being sold. They're selling people, hey, pay me this, I'll get you across the U.S. border. Earlier this week, Chief Modlin of the Border Patrol tweeted that a reported group of 11 migrants found locked inside a tractor trailer in this heat at the southern border, folks. The migrants had limited air circulation, no means of escape in the event of a crash or abandonment by the smugglers. And it just goes on and on and on. And there's no respite in sight. There's no end in sight. This administration is just blowing up their responsibilities that they all swore they would do if they were elected or if they were appointed by existing people in Congress to work for the American people. The rule of law is the only backbone, the only skeletal system we have that protects the United States population. That's the only thing we have. And if those who we put in office, if they're neglecting to do it, we're just left wide open. Anything could happen. Anything. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, he weighed about it. He weighed in. He heard commentary from several of his sheriffs across the state of Texas from different regions, and each one expressed concern with this increasing level of arrests that are made in the middle of this current migrant surge along the border. Issues discussed also included the heightened level of danger to the public across the border, and it's not just there, folks. Our Department of Homeland Security on Biden's leadership under Secretary Mayorkas, they're checking, they're not even checking these people in. They take them, they run them through a little process, and then they put them on a bus or put them on an airplane. Every night, we're told from these centers along the southern border, Southern California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas, they put them on these buses, and in dozens of busloads, they leave the southern border headed to parts unknown around the United States where they just put them out. There's no plan. There's no effort to coordinate with local officials, folks. This is the most bizarre thing I've ever heard of our government ever doing. And they do it over and over and over. And every time they do it, they're breaking federal laws. The president of the United States is breaking federal laws because he's suborning this. In fact, he's telling people to continue to do it. If this was Donald Trump, if this was President Trump, he would have been impeached, impeached already. They'd have him gone. Nobody is saying anything. At the conclusion of this event, Texas Governor Abbott, he expressed his dismay at all of this. He said this, the bottom line is 
Because of the current administration's complete abandonment of enforcing the laws passed that were passed by the United States concerning immigration, there's an unprecedented increase in people coming across the border. Even though the federal government may have abandoned their responsibility, we in Texas have not. He continued, Biden's open border policy, well, he said President Biden. President Biden's open border policies have led to a disaster on our border. And the state of Texas is stepping up in the federal government's absence to keep our communities safe. This is the governor talking to a bunch of these sheriffs. Our efforts would not be possible without our partnership with local law enforcement. And with their support, we're working tirelessly to stop the influx of unlawful immigrants and prevent the smuggling of contraband into the state. Let's talk about that for a second. Do you know that just the drugs coming in from Mexico, just those drugs, most of it is marijuana, no doubt about it, but the big new thing is fentanyl. Fentanyl. Now, fentanyl is probably, without question, one of the most dangerous drugs that you can take, and the illegal versions of it are even stronger. I had back surgery back last year, and... um, they use, in, in the anesthesia, they use fentanyl. And when I, I got all my documents, I read down there, and they use fentanyl on me. I mean, that's the way this kind of stuff happens. It, these drugs are found, and they assist parts of the medical community's operations medically, you know, put in pharmaceutical drugs and all that. But then people find out, hey, we can just tweak this a little bit, and we can make some money out of this. Do you know that just the fentanyl that has been confiscated from illegals crossing the southern border? Now, this this is mind-boggling. Just the amount of fentanyl that has been found has been caught in the last year. There's more than enough that they have caught that would kill every one of the 330 million Americans that are here. How much did we not catch? How much is already here, around, scattered around the nation? Governor Abbott said more help is necessary, which is why I call for legislation during the Texas special session to provide more border security funding for law enforcement in counties. This funding is going to help us better step up. We got to meet this challenge and give our border communities the resources and support they need because the president of the United States is not giving border patrol agents the resources that they need. We got to take care of Texas. Several of these sheriffs, they were concerned regarding these challenges that they face in their jails. They're reaching maximum detention capacity. Now, this is a federal thing. You understand the state of Texas, state of New Mexico, state of Arizona, state of California, they have no legal authority to even participate in Border Patrol constitutionally. It's the sole responsibility of the United States government. And when the the United States government doesn't do anything, there is no constitutional way for Texas to step in and take over the operation of their southern border and protecting it. In fact, the federal government has basically told them, don't mess with this. This is our deal. It's illegal for you to do it. Yet, they don't do it. 
So the jails are overflowing there. The governor offered a potential solution through the installation of soft-sided facilities to quickly create more detention space. Now let me tell you what. What will happen if Texas does that? This immediately popped into my head. Think about it. What's going to happen? Oh, it's 100 degrees outside. (laughs) There's no way. That's, That's a human rights violation to make these people stay in tents. What are we? Who are we to talk about we're the greatest country on earth when we're making these people live outdoors in soft-sided tents? It'd be just like AOC when she went to the southern border during Trump's administration, and she actually reported they were making these immigrants drink from toilets. And I mean, it went viral worldwide instantly when she said that. Well, she was lying. She knew what was the reality when she did it. It's very common, even in some RVs, folks, in the bathroom. In the, you know, they create commodes, and on top of the commodes, it has nothing to do, not connected at all with the commode, there's a sink, a water sink, not to wash dishes, but a water fountain. And that's what she was referencing. She knew they weren't drinking out of commodes, But boy, her version sure hit the spot with the far left for those fighting immigration laws being kept and enforced at the southern border under President Trump. Wow. This operation in Texas involves a 1,000 Texas Department of Public Safety troopers combined with Texas Army National Guard troops down in the border area. It's just one travesty after another, and it would just seem like um, they would take care of business. I mean, I, I, would, I would expect that. I would think they would. We're going to take a short break when we come back. Let me tell you what we're going to talk about first. We're going to talk about President Biden on day one, cancellation of the XL pipeline permit. You've heard all about that. You know all about it. But I'm going to tell you with facts exactly what his doing that has cost the United States of America. And by the way, Russia is involved in this. You know, Vladimir Putin, that guy that Donald Trump, he and Vlad were best buddies and Vlad helped Trump get elected. (laughs) You're not going to believe this. Up next at TNN Live. Here's to choice, to making your voice be heard, to getting exactly what you want, especially when you eat. At Subway restaurants, you choose your freshly baked bread, meats, cheese, and veggies to make a sub that's just right for you. Come in and create yours today. Subway, eat fresh. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. Look, we know that boy's going to ask again, so let's be ready. Fine, I'll be him. You ready? Ready. Mom, could you hook me up with a GoPhone? You'll run up the bill, son. Yo, that's whack, Moms. GoPhone is totally different. What? It'll only cost me an arm? Chillax. It has unlimited talk and text. Seriously? Word. Okay, we'll get a GoPhone. Really? Uh, really? 
That is the bomb. Do you even know what the bomb means? Yes. No. Go phone. Only from AT&T. With unlimited talk to 65 million wireless AT&T customers and now unlimited text to anyone on any network. AT&T. Your world delivered. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of Craftsman. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. Hey, 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 if you weren't at the top of the show, if you hadn't joined us yet, I just want to go back, I'm a circle back. That's a Jen Psaki term. I'm adopting that. I'm going to circle back up to the top of the show. We are in our brand new studios in South Shreveport, and uh, the studio sounds a little bit different. There's ringing because our acoustic panels aren't up yet. They will be put up later today, and tomorrow's show's going to sound a little bit different, but like it always has. I don't know. I, I'm one of those old fogies. I'm 67, and uh, when I get accustomed to something, I just like it to stay that way. <laughs> so... I got some input from people online about, you know, when I mentioned the sound was different, everybody that responded here or or sent a note, email or text said it sounds okay. Thank you for those. I appreciate that. But uh, I think you're just being nice to me. It's not that I say you're lying. I think you're just really nice people. We're going we're gonna to get it fixed. And um, we're going to be back in the saddle we got a lot of things ahead of us, good stuff that we're going to bring to you in the way of uh, increasing the magnitude and our stretch to get information even more than we give you now. And it'll be from some other sources. You're going to hear some other people on the air here. Um, All that being said, let's get back to where we are here today. And I told you going into the break, we were going to talk about what's happened regarding Biden's cancellation of the XL pipeline a project on his first day in office. According to the North Dakota governor, governor named Don Burgum, over the weekend he discussed a lawsuit that North Dakota has already filed against the Biden administration. And their halt, Biden's halt on oil and gas leases on public lands, and said the suspension of the leases has already cost his state, counties across the state, and local governments all in, $100 million, $100 million already in lost revenue. And going forward, the governor says the cost could easily run into the hundreds of millions of dollars, and if it went on permanently, it will be more than a billion dollars a year. Think about that now. Burgum said, well, first of all, it's required that the federal government hold leases quarterly. That's a constitutional thing. It's constitutional because Congress passed that law. And the governor said, so we believe that the action to suspend the holding of the leases and the auctions is actually illegal. And that's part of the basis of the lawsuit. You know, sometimes 
presidents, they think that just because they're president, they can do anything they want. They can stop legislation and the results and the impacts of legislation that Congress passed. Why? Because they know. The reason they do it is they know it's illegal when they do it. Biden knew that. Well, maybe he didn't, but someone above him that worked with him, they knew it, and they told him to go ahead. He may not have even known his doing so was illegal. But it was. Anyway. So what does this all mean? Well, you remember 10,000 workers on the XL pipeline. They were laid off the next day. Biden's first day in office, he canceled the permit. And the company building that pipeline, they're not going to stay and wait around hoping the president will change his mind. They had to lay people off. So 10,000 the first day. And a bunch of those jobs, folks, were $100,000 a year jobs. Gone overnight. So what else happened? Do you know what that was all about? That pipeline was to connect, not any of our resources, but it was originally done to connect a, uh, a massive gas, natural gas deposit area in southern Canada. It was to connect them to our Gulf Coast in a pipeline right down the middle of the United States. What was the purpose of that? Well, they got to get it to market. Canada's just like the United States. You've got to get your energy resources to market so it can be transported around the world. Canada doesn't have that because it's so wide and so big, and this is all right in the middle of their nation. It was much more effective to run that pipeline down the middle of the U.S. It's much closer to our Gulf Coast, which is Houston and New Orleans. Both of those cities have massive distribution operations for energy products, pipeline and on ships. And the previous administration signed off on it. So it was well underway. Well, not only are those pipeline workers out of jobs, people that work in ancillary businesses around any construction industry project, up and down the central part of the United States, thousands of people. Billions of dollars in lost revenue. And in the middle of this, nobody's talking about what Canada thinks and what they're going to have to do. Well, they're going to have to either truck it east or west. And of course, this whole XL pipeline thing is about uh, environmental protection. You know what happens when a pipeline is pierced. There's a, a horrible... Uh, environmental problem that it happens all along the way. No doubt about it. It does. Those things do happen. But folks, we have hundreds of thousands of miles of pipeline across the United States. I mean, zigzagging all across the United States that have been in business, some of them for more than a hundred years. This is not something new. There are spills that happen, accidents that happen, But even Biden's own energy secretary said the safest way to transfer oil is through pipelines. The most environmentally safe way to do so is in pipelines. What's the alternative? Trains, 18-wheelers running east and west along their highways. What happens there? Folks, 18-wheeler And train accidents and spills from those are far more historically prevalent 
than are these pipeline spills. But that doesn't sell in the environmental community. It doesn't. It's got to be evil carbon energy. We got to do away with it. We how are we going to do away with it? We're going to stop them from being able to transfer. But they don't have replacement in 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 play. They just don't. So, North Dakota sued the government. What's going to come of it? Probably there'll be a federal court that will rule against North Dakota. It'll be appealed to a federal appeals court. And I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to guess and say I don't know which one it would go to. But if it comes to ours here down in Louisiana, down in New Orleans, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, there's a good likelihood that it would be granted in favor of North Dakota. And then it's going to be appealed again. Where would it go? The Supreme Court. In the meantime, hundreds of thousands of North Dakotans don't have income right now. Businesses and individuals I'm talking about all rolled in. And so, as the governor said, it's going to be a hundred. It's already a hundred million dollars just since January twentieth. It's cost his state. It could get into the billions. So let me ask you this: Who's winning? Who's getting anything good out of Biden's energy um, decisions that he's made and pushed out on the American people? Well, obviously, the green energy folks—they're making a lot of money. But, of course, the explanation given by Joe Biden when he canceled the XL pipeline, he told all these people to go get green energy jobs. And through multiple interviews, we find out they're looking. There are no green energy jobs. And there certainly aren't any jobs out there that these people are qualified to do that pay what they were making at the XL pipeline. So you got a bunch of people out of work, thanks to Joe Biden. Then, our energy costs here keep going up. How much more are you paying for a gallon of gas today than you were in October of last year? You do the work. You do the answer. It's going to be a minimum of a dollar a gallon for gas. You're paying more, that much more now for a gallon of gas than you did in October. Well, what, what is that all about? What does that have to do? Well, let me tell you what it has to do. Do you know that last October, let me ask you this, how much oil did the United States last October import from other countries? How much? None. Not a drop. That includes the nation of Russia. So last month, folks, how much oil did the United States import from other countries. How much? Well, let's just narrow it down to one nation. How much oil did we import from Russia last month, June? Six million barrels. Six million barrels we imported from Russia. How much is it forecast that we're going to get from Russia this month, the month of July? 7 million barrels. Now let me ask you this. <laughs> you know where this is going, don't you? <laughs> Donald Trump, he was in cahoots with Putin. 
he and Putin, oh, they were in each other's pockets and Putin was funneling money to Trump. None of it ever proven. No collusion ever proven. After $50 million of a federal investigation, three years, you and I paid for it. Mueller and his gang of haters of Donald Trump couldn't come up with one shred of evidence that showed any type of collusion, any personal business relationship between the pair, and certainly not any governmental collusion between the Trump administration and Russia, and still the far left. Oh my gosh, you know the usual names, I won't even get into it. They're still screaming that Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump are in cahoots. You know where I'm going with this? (laughs) I guarantee you know where I'm going with it. Who's winning this? Who's winning this thing? Joe Biden. Joe Biden. With all we know, some of it we know, some of it is suspected, but some of it we know, folks. Biden knows how to make money. Legally, we know about that. Illegally, We're suspicious about that. But why would Joe Biden do what he did when there were no green energy jobs? When he knew that if we stop creating carbon and and selling carbon energy products, that we're not equipped. Our systems are not based on the ability to do without carbon energy. Now, you can talk about green energy all you want and how good it is. I agree. I've spent considerable time in Tesla cars. Throughout Europe, folks, Tesla's one of the most popular taxi vehicles that you get transported around. And I kid you not, a $100,000 plus car. And they're good cars. They're expensive to operate. Making the batteries to operate them is hellaciously expensive. But even more than that, it destroys a massive amount of environmental resources to create those. But they don't want to talk about that. Turbine... Not so much. I'm, I'm really not into that. And uh, solar energy, yeah, it's good, but it can't. It can't replace carbon energy. All of them combined can't do it now. I don't think we'll ever get that way, but it was stupid. It was absolutely stupid for this government to flip the switch in one day and expect there wouldn't be these ramifications. Let me tell you, don't think for a second it wasn't thought about. Don't think they're stupid for doing what they did. They had a plan, folks. Democrats are not stupid in in mass. They're not. Democrat leadership are very methodical. They don't very seldom do they ever fly by the seat of their pants. They have plans, always plans. Sometimes I think some of their plans turn out to be stupid, but they're planned. They've thought through every side of every issue before they even do it. This is just one page in their playbook of how they're going to push us even further and further and further to the left. This is just a page. But this is how they want to maintain the power that they have already grabbed by forcing Americans to be reliant on the federal government. They want us to depend on them for everything, all resources. They want us to feel obligated to give voluntarily our money to them so they can take care of us. Think about it. Look at the unemployment 
money that they passed out willy-nilly around the nation during the quote-unquote pandemic. They forced us to shut down. They forced numerous companies to shut down. Numerous companies have closed. Some of them will never open back up. The people couldn't afford to weather the storm. And they passed out, the federal government did, money for employees to stay home. Unemployment benefits, when put together with state unemployment benefits, some people in our blue-collar segment of our economy making more money sitting at home watching as the world turns than they were making working in restaurants. When Biden was told one of the reasons people are refusing to go back to work is because they're making more money, and the solution is, you remember he leaned over to the microphone and he said, pay them more, pay them more. In other words, drive the cost of doing business up. Joe Biden, who's only ever been a politician, he was never in private practice as a lawyer, and I understand why. <laughs> I can only imagine. If, if I was going to have a, a court situation when I was suing somebody or somebody was suing me, I would not want Joe Biden on my legal team. I can tell you that. And he's been a politician. He doesn't understand what running a business is, has no concept, and he thinks the government is the answer. So let's make the government bigger, let's give it more power, and let's fund it with more tax dollars. That is the typical left mantra that we're watching playing out now. Socialism, oh, that's the S word. That's not real. They're not really thinking they're going to do that. They really aren't. Aren't they? Listen over the weekend as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from Queens, she gets on a camera, a TV camera, and boy, she loves a camera. And she starts telling illegals in New York, I'm, I'm talking about illegal, people that are in the United States illegal. She's giving them instructions on how they can make certain they get their government subsidies, federal government subsidies. Here's how you do it. We are urging families in order to get these payments, if you have not yet filed your 2020 return or your 2019 return, to please do so as soon as possible. If you've already filed those returns or if you filed your IRS non-filer tool to get your stimulus check uh, earlier this year, you should be fine. But if you haven't yet, please go online and use the IRS Child Tax Credit non-filer sign-up tool to sign up today. That way you can get that money in your pocket and help us as we try to cut child poverty in half in the United States. So for anyone who has struggled to file online, uh, right here where we are at, at the Ted Weiss Federal Building, and uh, where we are right now in the Financial District, we will be offering walk-in hours this Saturday from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. And on Friday, out in Queens, you can go to the Urban Up you can go to Urban Upbound in Long Island City from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. These centers are also offering help to undocumented folks with eligible children. So any child with a social security number is eligible. Do not count yourself out because of, if a parent and guardian is undocumented. You just need your individual taxpayer identification number or your ITIN. So please help us, 
help you, help us, help each other, and make sure you access the tools. These checks are supposed to start hitting our bank accounts next week. If you received a stimulus check, then you should be good. But if you still need to sign up for your portal, make sure you access it. She's talking about that $300 a week the federal government is paying per child. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, even if you're in the United States illegally, this has been the way for years, you can file documents, you can register that you're there. And if you're a green card holder, which means you have temporary status to be here, you're supposed to file a tax return. And your employer, by the way, is supposed to withhold Social Security and Medicare just like they do from every legal American. That's supposed to happen. But those illegals that are here that have kids, when they register, when they're registered, when they're in the system, they, according to AOC, she just told us exactly what we've known for a long time. They have a way to get money out of the system even though they're here illegally. And the justification is the kids. The kids. We're not going to turn kids away. We're not going to make kids starve to death by not being able to get food. We're going to give them assistance. And she explained how and what for these people to do to do that. Well, let me tell you the thing that just um, it just blows my mind about all of that. She said, we want to cut the child poverty rate in half. Now, what does that mean, folks? Why are any kids in poverty? Why are they living in, in poverty? That's because of their parents. There's not an, enough income coming into the family to make that family rise above the poverty line. So what she's actually doing is illustrating exactly what socialism is about. Socialism's grand edict from the beginning, take from those who have and give to those who don't have. That's the Robin Hood thing. Rob from the rich, give to the poor. So in other words, AOC and her fellow far-left Democrats, they believe the way to stop poverty is just to take money away from the people that have money and give it to people that don't have money. It has nothing to do with the people that don't have money being here and exercising their opportunities to make themselves make a better world for their family. That's what the American dream is supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be about rob, cheat, and steal to get to the United States. Once you get here, we got you. We're going to take care of you and your children from now on. We're going to put you in the system. And she just explained in vivid detail what these people have to do to make sure they get the money that we want to give you. Do this, and we're going to cut the poverty rate in half. We're going to cut it in half. Wow. Now, have you heard about the latest from over in Texas? You remember we reported when people were saying over and over and over again, there is no cheating and voting. There's no voter fraud. This is just a ploy on the part of Republicans to stop African-American people from being able to vote. We told you that there were 500 cases that were open investigations in the state of Texas alone of voter fraud. Well, Texas AG Ken Paxton told an audience at CPAC was held in Dallas the weekend. That's a conservative public action conference. 
He said that his office is investigating nearly 400 more cases of voter fraud, adding that to the already in process 500, almost 1,000 cases being investigated, some of it already adjudicated, for voter fraud. The 386 new cases that are being investigated now, he said without elaborating on the details of some of these cases, they're just as serious. Don't believe the narrative, he said, because in Texas we're going to fight election fraud, noting that Republicans would have struggled during election day last year if his office hadn't stopped local election officials from breaking the rules around balloting. So in reference to claims that voter fraud doesn't exist, made typically by Democrats, Paxton, who's a Republican, described it as a false narrative. He said this, people tell you there's no election fraud. Let me just tell you right now, my office, he said, has 511 counts in court because of COVID waiting to be heard. We have another 386 that we're investigating. If you add those together, that's more election fraud than my office has prosecuted since it started investigating election fraud years and years ago. So don't believe the narrative, because in Texas, we're going to fight election fraud. Back in June, he announced that his office is investigating those 500 cases. Meanwhile, Texas's state Senate approved a sweeping bill a month prior to that announcement that would grant more power to poll watchers by giving them increased access inside polling areas. It would also create some new penalties against election officials who restrict poll watchers' movements and would allow a judge to void the outcome of an election if the number of fraudulent votes could change the result. Democrats walked out during the end of the previous legislative session in late May That was their way to stop the chances of approving any new voter integrity laws in the near future. And that prompted Governor Abbott, who's a Republican, to call this new session focused on passing this election reform bill. Republicans have said the bill is needed to shore up any election irregularities or potential fraud. Democrats, meanwhile, claim they're designed to suppress voter turnout rates, which is the mantra of the left, namely among minority groups. There is no historical proof that anywhere that shows any of this happening. And there's hardly anybody in minority communities that feel like it happens. I've invited anybody that can come on this show, that will come on this show, and give us evidence to show voter suppression of any kind anywhere. We'll take it to the nth degree to expose it. Nobody's ever even commented. During an interview July 11th, Abbott one more time pushed for this bill to get passed. He said even Democrats in the Texas House, they agree that as it concerns mail-in ballots, that it's an area where improving the mail-in ballot system is a way to achieve greater election integrity. Now, I think it's noteworthy that Paxton is running for re-election as Attorney General in 2022. He faces a Republican primary opposition from Texas Land Commissioner, Guess who that would be? Guy's got a B last name. George P. Bush. Obviously, he's a member of the Bush political dynasty. He's a former state Supreme Court justice. Guzman, he's not. This former Supreme Court justice is running against Bush and against Paxton. Her name is Justice Eva Guzman. She spoke at CPAC last week. 
Paxson's office didn't respond. We reached out to see if we could get him on the air this morning. We are in contact with Paxton's office. I'm just mentioning this to you, and he'll be on this show here sooner or later. No, he's just one state attorney general, but um, his role is pretty important in all of this. I think you'll, you'll have to agree. There's something we hadn't talked much about on this show, but I think it's pretty important that we do. Do you pay attention to this, uh, this COVID vaccine door-to-door check that has been thrown out in the marketplace of information a couple of times? Biden himself even mentioned it. Javier Becerra, Becerra who's the head of the HHS, he on uh, Sunday show last Sunday, not this Sunday, but last Sunday, he basically said, we need to do this. We got to go door to door. Can you imagine what that would look like if they ring your doorbell? What are they going to ask you? Think about it. You're going to make them identify themselves. Can I see some identification, please? And if they give you ID that you're comfortable enough to have a conversation with, what do they want from you? You can book this. They're going to ask your name, the names of everybody that live in the house with you, They're going to ask about where your husband works, if you're female, or where your wife works, if you're male. The ages of your kids, they're going to get all that information. Even if you don't agree to take a vaccination, what do you think this is about? Representative Madison Cawthorn has an ID. He's from North Carolina. On Friday, he said this, President Biden's door-to-door COVID vaccine checks could possibly turn into a gun or even a Bible grab by the federal government. He pointed back to 2020 and all the COVID shutdowns. And he said this in an interview, authoritarianism is on the rise. There are tyrants who want to take away our rights to not be able to congregate in churches, not to be able to own guns. And he then pointed to the Biden administration talk of going door to door, and they do it in the name of being able to take vaccines to the people. That just sounds so good. Well, the thing about mechanisms they would have to build to be able to actually execute that massive of a thing, and then to think about what those mechanisms could be used for, They could be thinking about going door-to-door to to take away your guns. They could go door-to-door to to take away your Bibles. I mean, it's a very slippery slope. Now, remember this, Biden campaigned on gun control, and his push to institute it began in earnest in March. He's repeatedly asked for a ban on what he terms assault weapons, on high-capacity magazines and for universal background checks. Facts make no difference to Joe. If he was really worried about these guns that have high-capacity magazines, so many of them or whatever, he wouldn't be taking rifles, folks. He'd be taking handguns. There are probably 10 times more handguns, automatic handguns, than there are automatic rifles. But facts don't matter here. This is not about a factual thing. This is about a feel-good kind of thing. Guns bad. Not people bad for shooting people with guns. The guns are the evil ones. If we take away the guns, we can stop the evil. Of course, they could take away the guns. In every nation, uh, in every city in our nation where they're having gun problems, they could take them all away 
from the people that are using guns to kill other people, but they don't do it. So they're going to come to the legal gun holders and snatch them away. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not saying this is going to happen. Representative Cawthorn from North Carolina just made us aware this could turn into that. Now, what do you think about the government even talking to you about your vaccination status? What do you think about that? I got a problem with anybody in government. You know, they passed a law in 1986, the HIPAA law. Now, what is the HIPAA law? It's actually, it wasn't even in a standalone bill. It was included kind of as a section of the balanced budget amendment that was passed in the House and the Senate and signed into law back in 1986. And what HIPAA did, it made it a federal violation for anybody's health information to be taken or when documented, put in any kind of medical forms whatsoever, reports, anybody can't see any of it or know anything about our personal health information unless we, in written forms, give them authority to do so. And so the federal government has no right constitutionally to even ask you about your personal health information. That's part one of this thing. Part two is, you know, I don't want to be talking about somebody that knocks on my front door about what I should or shouldn't do regarding any vaccine or any medicine or any medical treatment whatsoever. I want to keep that between me and my personal physician. Folks, we're not very far. We're at the top of a very slippery slope regarding this government being able to mandate vaccines for everybody. Don't think it won't happen just because we think it never has happened. I mean, Fauci's out over the weekend beating the drum to get a third shot when you have the two-shot Pfizer vaccination to require a third shot. Biden's held two press conferences back on this vaccination thing focused, I'm sorry, back on the gun thing, focused on executive gun control. Two press conferences. The first one was in April of this year. The second was on June 23rd of this year. In the second one, Biden stressed his belief that the Second Amendment has had limits from day one. His words, his term. That is not the end of that concept. He laying, he's laying the foundation to be able to come back and say, oh, you know, it was never absolute. I mean, from the very beginning, beginning of it, there were ways to put limits on it. The Supreme Court has made it very plain in multiple opinions issued out of that court that Americans have the right to own and bear arms for personal security, and there's no question about it. But what Biden is doing, as all Democrats do all the time, is they're creating a scenario among the American people to somehow justify their push to grab a hold of our guns and to keep them out of the hands of private Americans. You know, those ones of us that do it legally. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, 
Why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember the naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. Steely Dan, boy, they, they were really, really good back in the day. I like that song. Hey, um, you remember that Major League Baseball All-Star Game that had been scheduled for several years to happen in Atlanta. And, of course, the big hoo-ha over the election law change in Georgia. Um, Democrats pushed and pushed and pushed, and Major League Baseball decided, we're going to take the game out of Georgia because of the voter law, ship it out to Colorado. Colorado actually has far more egregious bad election laws than does Georgia, but it's not a substance thing. It's something that we need to make happen just because we want people on the surface to think that we're good people and that we're going to support these anti-voting rights people. Well, guess what just happened to pop up over the weekend? A bust was made, a maid in a hotel revealed to her bosses and they contacted the FBI about a room full of a bunch of weapons and body armor. And of course, conventional wisdom was when the FBI went, they went there and arrested these guys. These guys were armed to do some harm at the ball game. Well, Denver's FBI office late yesterday said it does not believe the four people arrested with massive weaponry and body armor we're really planning an attack on Major League Baseball's All-Star game set for tomorrow evening near the site of the arrest. There's no there, there, there's no connection there. So the FBI Denver office tweeted that they're not aware of any threat to the All-Star game events, venues, players, or the community at this time. However, they gave no explanation why the four arrestees had the weapons cache and body armor in the downtown Denver area. And of course, that statement goes against the reports from local police who cited the potential of a mass shooting incident. As is the case with major special events, 
The FBI works very closely with our law enforcement partners in preparation for and in support of public safety during these events. We continue to encourage the public to report any suspicious activity to law enforcement, the FBI Denver office said. The investigation is active and ongoing, and Denver police encourage anybody with information to call the Metro Denver Crime Stoppers number. So in addition to this, here's the story that came out earlier. Police have confiscated more than a dozen weapons and a thousand rounds of ammunition from a hotel next to Coors Field in Denver, site of Tuesday's Major League Baseball All-Star Game. And it came from a tip from a very alert hotel mate. The confiscation, the report says, may have averted a potential mass shooting on the order of the Las Vegas massacre at a country music festival in 2017. A total of 61 people died in that incident when a gunman opened fire with high-powered weapons from a nearby hotel room. The weapons they confiscated, listen to this, included 16 long guns or rifles, body armor, and ammo from the room. Three men and a woman were arrested and charged with weapons possessions. Three of the suspects were previous offenders, and three were also charged with intent to distribute drugs, the report said. More ominous, one suspect has previously posted a cryptic Facebook message saying he would go out in a big way. <laughs> and then the FBI, when it got back to D.C., to Christopher Ray, he said, we got to defuse this. We can't let the American people think this almost happened on our watch. We got to tell them, oh, there's no proof this was going to happen but it really doesn't matter because we took care of the problem before. That thing that happened in Las Vegas, do you remember? Do you remember what all that happened? It was at a country music festival. I know exactly where it is. It's across the street from one of the nicest hotels on the Strip, and it's it's a empty area across the street, directly across the street from this hotel. And so all these music fans were out there. The concert was underway. And so this nut job from a window, I think it was the seventh floor, he just started shooting through the window and killed 40-something people. But there's no correlation to, you know, Coors Field and Denver. And the hotel is right next to Coors Field in Denver. But there's no reason to worry, the FBI says. We got this taken care of. Now, you know what? I Again, I don't think people in the FBI are stupid. I think Christopher Ray is in the tank far-left politics. I believe it. He wants law enforcement to have even more powers than they have now. He's an attorney, uh, but he's a lifer in the Department of Justice, so he knows the system. He knows the power that goes there. I have no idea what his political perspective is, but I've felt like he's a snake since he was appointed. Donald Trump appointed him. I think it was a mistake for Trump to appoint him to replace his arch nemesis. Um, But anyway, he did. James Comey was the FBI director before Ray, and he was evil. He committed multiple felonies that we know are factual, and the Department of Justice did never even think about charging him with the felony for the felonies he convicted. 
Why? I mean, he's a high-powered Democrat in, in government, folks. They don't keep them. They don't force them to uh, abide by the same laws and policies that they force us to abide by. They're an exceptional part of our community. Nevertheless, I can almost guarantee you, with this guy on Facebook saying he's going to go out in a big way, and they're sitting in a hotel room with a bunch of long rifles and a bunch of ammunition. They didn't tell us how much ammo they had. And maybe they wouldn't slaughter 45 or 50 people, but just imagine what they could do at Coors Field from an adjacent building with height. During a ball game, do you know how easy it would be to pick people off, even if not during a ball game? People coming and going, making a big statement like the guy said he was going to do on his way out. Oh my gosh. Hiding the truth. And they think they have not only the right, but they are supposed to do just that because we can't make good decisions on our own. We got to have the government make them for us. You heard about J.D. Vance. You're hearing his name a lot of late. He's a Republican. He's a candidate for the U.S. Senate. And he, over the weekend, he hit back at Vice President Kamala Harris's latest argument against the voter ID laws. J.D. Vance said this, We have all kinds of crazy things in small towns in the state of Ohio and across the nation. We've got electricity. We've got running water. We even have soap. And it's amazing that the vice president thinks that people can't make photocopies in rural communities. I mean, it's like she thinks that if you go to a small town in this country, you got the tractor supply store, you got the guys with the dueling banjos, and there's nobody else there. And of course, that's ridiculous. Anybody who lives in these communities or spent time in them knows that. Vance said, I think Harris, like a lot of folks who come from our elite class, they have this stereotype of small-town America that it's all backwards, that people don't have their basic things that they need. But look, if you talk to people, you talk to Ohioans, or you just read a poll, you find out that rural Americans are actually strongly in favor of voter ID. So I think the Kamala Harris's of the world should leave their condescension to their staffers and actually listen to what their constituents are saying because those people are saying we actually want voter ID. We want safe and secure elections. Let us figure out how to accomplish that. That just makes sense. <laughs> it just makes sense. So therefore, it can't be real. We can't even talk about it. If it makes sense, that means common everyday Americans have the abilities to understand. We can't let them learn things on their own. They have to let us filter all information through us, us being the government. Did you notice over the weekend what's happening down in Cuba? Anti-government protests broke out, I mean big time, yesterday in Cuba. Those people now are demanding freedom and calling on the disbandment of the country's communist dictatorship. Wow. Wow all while some of the U.S.'s most outspoken self-professed democratic socialists, well, they appear to be in lockstep by not even talking about it. They don't even want Americans to hear about it. And it's happening in Cuba 90 miles from the southern tip of Florida. 
In fact, if you go to Key West, Florida, downtown, right on the water, there's a big stone there. And I mean, this is literally the southern tip of the U.S. And looking out over the water there, looking south on the side of the rock, it says Cuba, 90 miles away from from that point. That's kind of spooky. So, we've done reach-outs to representatives Ilhan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, Senator Bernie Sanders. Nobody's yet to respond to any news media outlet, including us, about letting them weigh in on what they think about what's happening down in Cuba because they think, in mass, that type of society is what America needs. Thousands of Cubans marched on Havana's promenade and elsewhere to protest food shortages, high prices, the COVID outbreak, and one of the biggest anti-government demonstrations in the country ever. Police initially trailed behind as protesters chanted, Freedom! Enough! And unite! One motorcyclist pulled out a U.S. flag, but somebody else snatched it from him. The Biden administration was criticized on social media all weekend long for appearing to have difficulty finding its footing on what to say. Senator Rubio from Florida, a Republican, he took the State Department on over a tweet that blamed the protest on concerns over COVID-19 and not their worsening economic situation or the fact that protesters were chanting, we want liberty. So, just get it straight. AOC, Ilhan, Tlaib, Bernie Sanders, they all want us to move from where we are as a nation to be more like where Cuba is in their government. And the Cuban people, after 62 years of living under this socialism system in Cuba, they're crying out, wanting to go to the government that those sycophants that we mentioned, Tlaib, AOC, Ilhan Omar and Bernie Sanders, they want us to leave that and go to the Cuba style. People in Cuba are protesting 62 years of socialism, government lies, government tyranny, and misery instituted by the government, not expressing concern about rising COVID-19 cases and deaths. Why is it so hard for this president and the people in his administration to say that. Now, critics are going to say that these Democrat socialists are remaining quiet in the early stages of the protest because there are so many unknowns, like Cuban presidential Miguel Diaz-Canel, who heads the Communist Party, has already called on the country's revolutionaries to counter the demonstrators. We are prepared to do anything, he said during a national address. We will be battling in the streets. He continued, we're calling on the revolutionaries in this country, all the communists, to hit the streets wherever there is an effort to produce these provocations. Jake Sullivan, the White House National Security Advisor, he got on Twitter to say, the U.S. supports freedom of expression and assembly across Cuba and would strongly condemn any violence or targeting of peaceful protesters who are exercising their universal rights. Did you hear what he said? If you missed it, quote, U.S. supports freedom of expression and assembly across Cuba and would strongly condemn any violence or targeting of peaceful protesters who are exercising 
their universal rights. As we go to our final break of the day, let me ask you this. Do you think Jake would be saying the same thing if a bunch of American patriots went to the streets, protested, and were doing the same things that are happening down in Cuba by these Cubans protesting the communist government there? If Americans, and I'm not talking about BLM or Antifa, I'm talking about everyday Americans. And when I say everyday, I'm talking about people of all ethnic backgrounds, skin colors, if en masse went out on the street and started doing that, would Jake say, look, everybody has a right to do it. We're just going to let them follow the First Amendment of the Constitution. I think not. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes! M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make it to Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this? And this? Yes. And what about this? Yes. Ha! Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. As the sum of each generation before it, the next generation Corvette stands alone. As the new standard of precision and performance, of engineering and technology, of everything that makes an icon an icon, and a Corvette a Corvette. So the left has the squad. There isn't enough beer to hold to watch what happens next. You are the Army of Truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. OMG, you're not going to believe this. I took a phone call during the break. It's from Jamaica. It's a man in Jamaica that wants to discuss with me what I claimed in this show today, where... The vice president's great-great-great-grandfather was the largest slave owner in Jamaica. Wants to take me to task for that, and we printed the story from the Jamaica news agency that gave names of the slaves. We even produced a picture of that. I'm going to call him back and have that conversation. Have that conversation offline. Can you believe that actually happened? This is going to be fun. I'll tell you about it tomorrow. It's a wrap on the show today, folks. Thank you so much for being here. Make sure you are back tomorrow. We're going to have another great show. And it's going to sound a little different tomorrow because we're going to get our acoustics taken care of. Till then, have a great Monday. Monday.
and we'll see you tomorrow. Stuck on you, got this feeling down deep in my soul that I just can't lose. Guess I'm on my way. Needed a friend, and the way I feel now, I guess I'll be with you till the end. Guess I'm on my way. I'm mighty glad you stayed. I'm all